Peace, peace. We are back once again with Masterminds with Brother Shem L. And I'm your host, Brother Shem L. Uh, it's good to be back once again after a hiatus. Um, and basically, um, I'll get into why I've had the break and I actually may take another um, break from Masterminds. But I will come back, you know, this is my baby, so I won't, you know, I won't let this go. And I appreciate everyone's support, those who continue to support and listen to um, the episodes, new listeners, old listeners, my day ones, ones who are listening to old episodes over again. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to not only uh, my listeners here in, um, in the United States of America, in this country where I'm at, but also other countries as well. Special shout out to Ireland and Germany. Uh, you know, I know I have a number of a good number of listeners who check out this broadcast. So I appreciate your support, your love, and continue listening. And I would love your feedback. Uh, I'm planning some things. Uh, basically, just to let you know, my hiatus was due to me focusing on uh, another particular series of broadcast that I do on my YouTube channel. You can check out my YouTube channel, Shem L. And uh, that one, I'm doing a series. I'm focusing more on my series of What Is Your Nationality radio show. I'm putting in the archive um, recordings that I broadcasted on iHeartRadio last year and uploading them and um, pretty much focusing on those, you know, bringing awareness to those particular uh, episodes that I did last year. But uh, once I've exhausted all of those episodes and uploaded all of those, uh, I will get back to full focus on Masterminds with Brother Shamel. And, you know, in the meantime, I'll drop in every now and again and drop some jewels. And I actually want to do something different. I'm going to try to do something different. Um, I'm going to see, because usually my... These broadcasts, these episodes are around the hour mark, um, give and take, maybe a little under, a little over. But I'm going to see if I can cut it in half the time. I'm going to do a little experiment just to see uh, what the reception is and, you know, may go back to the hour mark. But what I'm going to do in this episode, the um, title of this episode is called Key 99. And Key 99 uh, basically stands for... Uh, what is referred to as the 99th question of the Moorish questionnaire. And what I will be doing is reading from my book um, entitled How Many Days Are in a Circle, which was the last book that I published, uh, which deals a lot with uh, cosmology, time, um, and many other higher science and metaphysics that I want to dive into because I think... um, you know, now more than ever, people are getting on that mindset. So without further ado, I'm going to be um, reading the book. And also, if those who don't have the book and are interested, check me out on my website, shemel.com. That's S-H-E-M hyphen E-L dot com. And be sure to get you a copy um, among with the other books that I have. So I will be reading, starting with the introduction, um, the third paragraph on page six, I'm just going to start there. I'm not going to start at the top. And it reads as follows. 
in order to comprehend the question, how many days are in the circle, which is key 99 of the Quran questions for Moorish Americans, we must first establish what a circle is. A circle is a basic closed shape in Euclidean geometry. This definition will be very important to remember on later in the book. It is the collection of all points in a plane. That is a flat two-dimensional surface that extends out indefinitely, which are at a specific distance from a specific point, the center. Also, it's the curve drawn out by a point that travels so that its distance from a specific point is constant. So just imagine the compass when you hear that statement. The set distance between any of the points and the center is known as the radius. A circle is a basic closed curve that separates the plane into two areas, the interior and an exterior, the inside and the outside. In common usage, the term circle can be employed interchangeably to refer e either to the boundary of the figure or to the entire figure, including its interior. However, technically speaking, the circle is only the boundary and the entire figure is known as a disc. A circle can also be described as a particular type of eclipse or ellipse in which the two foci special points with reference to which any of a host of curves is formed are coincident in the eccentricity or eccentricity eccentricity equals zero or the two-dimensional shape encasing the most area per unit perimeter squared utilizing calculus of variations now i know that's that that's a very technical language but i'm going to get into it and so just keep in mind that this is in reference to key 99 which is the 99th question in the Quran questions for Moorish Americans or what's known as the Moorish questionnaire which says how many days are in the circle seven days and I'm going to read a quote that's in the book and the quote is a circle is a plain figure bound by one line and such that all right lines drawn from a certain point within it to the bounding line are equal. The bounding line is called its circumference and the point is center, end quote. And that's from Euclid, and the book is called Elements Book One. Question, what do days have to do with a circle? Answer, the answer to this question resides in the fact that Moorish American Muslims, as well as many masterminds, measure time by cycle ages. In geometry, a cycle 
is an element of plane angle measurement equivalent to 2 pi radians, 360 degrees, or 400 gone. A circle also consists of 360 degrees. A cycle is also denoted as a revolution or complete rotation or full circle or turn or rev or rot. In the field of mathematics, a cycle, also called a periodic sequence, is a sequence for which identical terms are repeated constantly. Here's an example of a mathematical cycle. A1, A2, A3, etc., etc., all the way to AP. The number P of recurring terms is called the period. The period is the interval of time of one cycle in a recurring incident. So the period is the reciprocal of the frequency. For example, if a baby's heart beats at a frequency of 120 times a minute, its period, the time duration between beats, is half a second. That is 60 seconds divided by 120 beats. Frequency is the amount of incidences of a recurring affair per unit time. It's also mentioned as temporal frequency, which highlights the contrast to spatial frequency and angular frequency. Frequency is a key constraint employed in science and engineering to stipulate the degree of oscillatory and vibratory phenomena, such as mechanical vibrations, audio signals, radio signals, and light. This fact is very important to consider when you read the Holy Quran of the Moore Science Temple of America, chapter 2, verse 12, which states, quote, we measure time by cycle ages, and the gate to every age we deem a milestone in the journey of the race, end quote. Question, what is time? Answer, time is the progression of existence and incidents that transpire in the usual sequence from the past through the present to the future. Time is a constituent amount of diverse measurements employed to arrange occurrences, to compare the interval of incidents or the duration between them, and to measure degrees of variation of amounts within physical existence or in the conscious experience. Time is frequently denoted as the fourth dimension, along with the three spatial dimensions. Time has long been a topic of research within religion, philosophy, and science. However, defining it in a way that's relevant to all areas without circularity has constantly evaded the intellectuals. So basically, in layman's terms, to try to define it without using the concept of the circle is almost impossible. It goes on. Early cultures such as, such as the Incan, Mayan, Hopi, and other Native American tribes, as well as the Babylonians, ancient Egyptians, Hindus, Buddhists, etc., possessed the idea of the wheel of time. They considered time as cyclical, 
comprising of recurring ages that occur to each being of the universe between birth and extinction. The Wheel of Time is also known as Kala Chakra. The Kala Chakra, which is a Sanskrit word, is a word utilized in Vajranya of, of Vajrayana Buddhism, which means wheel of time or time cycles. Kala is a Sanskrit word meaning time. Keep in mind that the word chakra itself comes from the Proto-Indo-European word kekelos, keeklos. Its cognates include the Greek kuklos, as well as um, the Lithuanian kaklis. Chakra literally means circle in English. Refer to the book entitled What is the Higher Self by Shemel. Kala Chakra is commonly utilized to denote an adept teaching and practice in Tibetan Buddhism. Even though the knowledge is quite complex and metaphysical, there is a custom of presenting it to the masses. The Kala Chakra teaching revolves around the idea of time and cycles from the cycles of the celestial objects to the cycles of one's own breathing the Kala Chakra teaches the exercises of manipulating the subtlest energies within one's body on the journey to becoming Buddha which is Sanskrit for enlightened one it should be noted that there is record of Jesus studying from those ancient texts of the man known as Gautama Buddha. This account is described in the Holy Quran of the Moor Science Temple of America, chapter 11, verse 7, which states, quote, Together, Jesus and Barato read the Jewish Psalms and Prophets, read the Vedas, the Avista, in the wisdom of Gautama. Now, I just stopped at page 10 of the book, How Many Days Are in the Circle? So I read from page 6 to page 10. So now I'm going to jump all the way to the section towards the end. And uh, a, I cover a lot of topics in here, but for the sake of time, and to um, make sure we get as much as we can as far as on point and not go to too many tangents. I'm going to jump right over to page 95 of the book, How Many Days Are in the Circle. And I'm going to read where it poses the fir first question on that page. And that question is, question, what is the significance of the number seven? Answer. In many disciplines, the number seven is considered a divine number. Even Elijah Muhammad, who is reported by some to be an ex-member of the Morris Science Temple of America under the appellation Robert Poole Bay, taught members of his organization, Nation of Islam, that seven stands for God within what he called supreme mathematics. 
This teaching of supreme mathematics carried over into the nation of gods and earths, which was founded in 1963 by former Nation of Islam member Clarence 13X called Father Allah by his students. Now, I'll just put a a side note there. Um, That information was based on my research and, you know, I say that with all respect. So if there's um, any uh, disagreement or anything where I would need to be corrected on what particulars, particular facts, you know, I'm open to that conversation by my brothers and sisters in the nation of Islam, as well as the 5% nation, nation of gods and earths. But I'll continue. The significance of the number seven can be traced back to the ancient Kemet. Seven was considered a divine number in ancient Kemet. In ancient Kemet, of course, uh, most of you know is what's called today Egypt. The number seven was apparently the Kemetic symbol of such concepts as perfection. Examples of this include 7,000 barrels of red wine utilized to persuade the goddess Sekhmet out of killing. While searching her husband's pieces, the goddess Aset was protected by seven scorpions. Kemet's legendary famine lasted seven years. The lowest amount that the Nile River flooded to solve the famine in Kemet was seven cubits. The highest amount was 28 cubits, which is four times seven. The god Satuk dismembered the god Asar's body into 14 pieces, seven each for the two regions of Upper and Lower Kemet. The pool symbol, P-O-O-L, the pool symbol, which symbolizes water, has seven zigzag lines. The gold symbol contains seven spines on its underside. The number seven plays an important part in numerology. Numerology is the study of the divine, metaphysical, or magical relationship between a number and some coinciding perceived events. It consists of various methodologies and systems. Numerology and numerological divination by systems such as um, gematria were heavily used among early mathematicians but are no longer used by modern mathematicians modern numerology usually has aspects of diverse cultures and writings these sources include ancient Sumer the Hebrew system of the Kabbalah the Vedas and the ancient Kemetic book of the masters of the secret house which is a ritual for the dead This numerology and the significance of the number seven traveled from Kemetic writings on into the Bible. The number seven in the seven days of creation marks the beginning of a systematic code throughout the Bible. The number seven appears commonly throughout the Bible. These appearances include the seven days of creation, Genesis 1. For example, Elohim rested 
on and bless the seventh day, the Sabbath, the declaration that those who dare kill Cain will suffer seven times vengeance over, or will suffer vengeance seven times over. That's in Genesis chapter 4, verse 15. Lamech says, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, he himself will be avenged seventeen sevenfold. Genesis chapter 4, verse 24. Seven years of plenty and seven years of famine occur in Pharaoh's dream. Genesis chapter 41. For the sin sacrifice, the Levitical priest was to sprinkle the bullock's blood seven times before the Lord. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 6. Seven days of the Feast of Passover. Exodus chapter 13, verse 3 to 7. Seven day week and the pattern concerning the use of manna. Exodus chapter 16. The menorah is a seven branch candle tree lit in the temple in Jerusalem. Exodus chapter 25. Seven year cycle around the years of Jubilee. Leviticus chapter 25. Jericho's walls collapsed on the seventh day after seven priests with seven trumpets march around Jericho seven times. Joshua chapter 6 verse 8. Seven things that are contemptible to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16 to 19. Seven pillars of the house of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 1. Seven loaves of bread turn into seven baskets full of surplus. Matthew chapter 15 Verse 13 to 37. Peter asked Jesus if he should forgive the ones who transgressed against him up to seven times. Jesus replied by ordering to forgive them 70 times seven in memory of the curse of Canaan and the song of Lamech in Genesis chapter 4. The seven last sayings of Jesus on the cross. In the book of Revelations, seven is a key number in describing the following. Seven spirits of God, which is Elohim, seven churches, and seven of each appearing in the book of Revelations. For example, seven golden lampstands. That's chapter 1, verse 12 of Revelation. These are all in Revelations. Seven stars, chapter 1, verse 16. Seven torches of fire, chapter 4, verse 5. Seven seals, chapter 5, verse 1. Seven angels and their trumpets, chapter 8, verse 2. Seven last plays, chapter 15, verse 1. Seven golden bowls, chapter 15, verse 7. Seven thunders, chapter 10, verse 3. Seven horns and eyes, chapter 5, verse 6. Seven didiums, or diadems, I'm sorry. Chapter 12, verse 3. And seven kings, chapter 17, verse 10. So, when it comes to the number seven... It is the number of the perfect man. There are seven major notes in music, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, that are used to create the harmonies of life, which is the higher self. Refer to the book, what is entitled, What is the Higher Self by Shem El. These notes are also referred to as Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. This is known as Sophogy. I may be mispronouncing it, but in music, Sophogy or um, Fosogia in Italian, also known as Sofa, Sofa, Sofio, 
among many terms, is a teaching technique employed to teach pitch and sight singing of music. The seven-tone musical scale is the formula of a cosmic law that was implemented by the Moors, who were the custodians of the ancient Kemetic mysteries. And for cross-reference, you can go to the... um, Mine just went blank. George G.M. James. George G.M. James. The book by George G.M. James. <laughs> uh, my apologies. Stolen Legacy. That's it. So for reference on that. But let me continue. Let me backtrack that statement. The seven tone musical scale is the formula of a cosmic law that was implemented by the Moors who were the custodians of the ancient comedic mysteries. The Moors utilized music as a method of healing. The Moors revealed that the body, when exposed to specific frequencies and vibrations of light and sound, can emit and absorb energy. They had special string instruments that were played in particular ways to heal ailments. These instruments later became known as the seven string mandoras or Moorish guitars. A great book to read on this topic is um, the book entitled Way of the Moors by Dave Muddyman. Studying the seven-tone musical scale will give you a solid foundation in comprehending the cosmic law of seven or the law of octaves. The law of seven is a law of vibrations, which ties to the principle of vibration found in the Kabbalion, referred to the book entitled what is the higher self by Shemel? Again, as in modern physics, this concept states that the universe consists of vibrations. The law of seven is a basic law to help us comprehend this for the purpose of practical application. To increase the vibratory rate of a substance, you must apply energy to it. For example, to increase the temperature, you must apply heat to a material. In popular physics, not much consideration is given to the fact that an increase in vibratory rate does not always directly relate to the rate of energy application. That is, applying energy at a constant rate doesn't always give a constant increase in vibratory rate. Right? And this is very key. A very simple example is in heating water from ice to steam there are two points of temperature one the point when ice is at zero degrees c but not melted and two the point when water is at 100 degrees celsius but not yet steam at these two points one has to keep applying heat for longer periods of time so the temperature can increase okay the same goes with thought so if you constantly think about something at a constant rate, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will manifest as quickly. That's why a lot of uh, masses, metaphysicians and occultists talk about, you know, visualizing something and then letting it go. You don't think about it too long. You don't over expend your, your mental energy on it. You let You put it. You visualize it in detail, and then you let it go. So, 
This outline will happen for vibrations in any type of condition, including one's own state of mind. This is mental transmutation. Refer to the book entitled, What is the Devil Sometimes Called by Shemel? The points of slowing down in the rate of increase of these vibratory rates are known as intervals. Thus, a procedure can be divided into three stages. One, before the first interval, two, before the first and second interval, and three, after the second interval, just like the stages ice, water, steam. Remember that water symbolizes personification. The etymological root of the word personify comes from the Latin word persona, meaning mask. So when spirit man personifies, he puts on a mask, which is a form. Water itself is colorless, that is unseen, yet it manifests as solid, liquid, or gas. Refer to the book entitled What is a Higher Self by Shemel. Water is simply the product of two gases, hydrogen and oxygen. Okay? And I'm going to um, conclude by reading this section from the Circle 7, chapter 7, verses 14 and 18. Again, Lamas asks, What do you say of power? And Jesus said, It is manifest, it is the result of force. It is but naught, it is an illusion, nothing more. Force changes not, but power changes as the ether change. So that's just a section of the book. What is the, um, how many days are in the circle? And I thank you all for listening. And with that, I'm going to conclude. Until next time, peace and love.